For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Bollier. In today's unsettled business climate, Rob Chestnut would like every CEO to remember four important words. You can't outsource integrity. That responsibility, he says, is an important element of running a company as it has a powerful ripple effect throughout the workforce. In fact, he believes business leaders need to stop dragging their feet and commit to creating a workplace culture of integrity. Chestnut provides all the motivation leaders need in his new book, Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution. Joining me today is the author, a former chief ethics officer at Airbnb, to discuss why acting with integrity is a business advantage. Rob, welcome to Beyond Profit. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So first, congratulations on the book. Talk about uh, timing it perfectly. I think the world is moving in a really interesting direction. I noticed it about four years ago when Me Too was becoming such a force. The world needs more from companies. It needs companies to step up and solve some of the big problems. And we're seeing this over and over again. And I think this is a real important direction. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad the book's coming out. Hopefully the time's evident. So, you know, you mentioned that there's a lot going on in the world right now. We've got the pandemic, we've got protests for racial justice, we have our politicized world. So how are truly ethical companies displaying intentional integrity to the outside world? Let's start. The world is getting closer and closer together. It's moving at an incredible rate. I think in the old days, and I refer this back into the 20th century, everybody was staying in their lane. Mm -hmm. Companies were focused on what's our share price. How the revenue numbers look, and they and people weren't worried as much about some of the collateral issues that might have been caused by that race to you know, increase the, the short-term stock number. The, now we are increasingly realizing as we all move closer and closer together that you know, your actions impact me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and you see this with the pandemic through the global travel. A pandemic in one part of the world now has affected everybody. Climate change. And you know, even racial justice, you know, how one group is treated, it's now really touched all of us. So we are really, I think, accelerating in this move toward a world where we, we all need to be looking at our fellow man. We need to be looking around. And this is true for companies. You know, now companies are not just looking at their shareholders. They need to look at all their stakeholders and look at how their, how their actions are impacting a whole array of people, their employees, their customers, you know, their communities where they operate. And you know, we're starting to see now that companies are considering these, um, and some are doing it faster than others, but they're being pushed by employees, they're being pushed by customers, they're being pushed by government to think now, I think, in a more holistic way about their business. Let's start with employees. Employees are increasingly seeing the company where they work as part of their own personal brand. They want to be proud of where they work. They want to work at a place that has values aligned with their own personal values. Now, back in the 20th century, people would plan on staying at a company for you know, 20, 30 years. If they saw something they didn't like, they didn't really talk about it. Now, they're talking to each other through places like the Blind app, Glassdoor, uh, Slack. And if they see something they don't like, they're blogging about it, like what Susan Fowler's blog post did at Uber. The world and the Internet 
They've all now got a global platform to share their dissatisfaction. They're tweeting. They don't like it. They're walking out. So companies now are feeling increasing pressure from within to start thinking about a broader range of stakeholders. Customers are pushing as well. We are in an age of conscious consumerism where customers want to buy things and do business with companies that have values similar to their own. The data is showing increasingly that customers are moving their money based upon how they perceive the companies and the values. So all of this means, and by the way, government's pushing just as hard, all of this means that companies have to start showing a greater awareness and demonstrating a purpose. They have to demonstrate why their company is good for the world. Profit is not purpose. So companies are now being think about, you know, how is what I'm doing good for the world? And, you know, thinking beyond just, well, we'll set up a scholarship. No, this is about how their business model and how the way they operate is good for the world. And that, that's pushing leaders, I think, to think in ways they haven't had to think of that. So I would agree that companies need to become more purposeful, absolutely align with you on that. So tell me some of the internal forces that are holding companies back from being purposeful, from operating with integrity. A big one is the old way of thinking about what's the purpose of a company. A lot of the leaders in companies, um, they went to business school at a time where shareholder value ruled the day. And a number of investors, by the way, have sort of grown up under that with that same mantra. So they're still used to thinking about a world where that's all that matters. And by the way, that justifies in their mind any action. And as long as investors are controlling companies and they are operating under that bold way, that puts a lot of pressure on CEOs and leaders to continue to put money as the primary focus, short-term money. Now, the problem with that thinking is doesn't work out well in the medium and long run. All the data is showing that companies that act with integrity and with purpose are going to outperform the market and outperform their peers mm-hmm. over the medium and the long run. So a big force pushing against integrity, I think, is the old way of thinking and the pressure to, to worry about this month's stock price. And even the way that we still compensate leaders. If, if you measure only financial numbers and you compensate people the financial metrics, you can't be too surprised if that's the natural tendency for people to think. So big push, I think the most important factor in uh, getting companies to, to act with integrity is broaden out the metrics, the things that they measure, the things that they report to the street on, um, and start to compensate executives based on things other than just what the short-term stock price looks like. You know, you mentioned the importance of the CEO, you know, getting buy-in from the CEO on these, but would you agree that operating with integrity is really a company-wide effort or initiative?
at that point, really, the entire company has to take on that responsibility and own it. But it is so much easier to do when you've got the leadership up the top. Very tough for employees, I think, to struggle against the tide where leadership it keeps directing and pushing to do things that are actually not um, integrity moves. So for all of the challenges that the pandemic has presented, and there are many, as you know, do you find that more companies are trying to place a greater emphasis on integrity to gain a competitive edge, or is it still lacking out there? Uh, you certainly see a clear move uh, for companies that recognize how important integrity is in today's business climate. Really, a crisis reveals the character of a company. When there's a lot of fear, and a lot of uncertainty. Uh, that's when integrity stands out because impressions are made, trust is built, and trust is lost in times like this. People have a long memory about how leaders acted in a time like this. So, for example, I've written about this recently that engaged in pretty substantial layoffs. At the same time, management took millions of dollars in bonus. That sort of thing destroys trust within a company. And a crisis like this may precipitate the need for layoffs and financial cuts, but leaders have to sacrifice first in these circumstances. Leaders have to be the first one to raise their hand and say, everyone on the leadership team is taking a pay cut, or I'll work without pay for the rest of the year. Because once they're sacrificing, then I think they can credibly ask others to sacrifice. venture, though, that in times of crisis, it is probably hard to be thinking about purpose, your true purpose, because you've got everything else in the business that you're worried about. Talk about some of the challenges there to you know, maintain a focus of integrity, despite what may be swirling around you. Well, I think when in times of fear and uncertainty, I think that's when you even go back to your purpose even more strongly, right? Because that has to be your North Star. Actually, it's what guides you when things are tough. Now, that doesn't mean that things won't be hard. Now, let's take Airbnb, for example. Airbnb was impacted tremendously in the pandemic. They were forced not only to deal with their own financial issues, but their hosts and guests were in a crisis. A number of guests had made reservations that were non-refundable and then faced with a situation where they were going to be forced to pay for a vacation they couldn't even take. Their hosts were facing tremendous losses. So at a time like that, you know, I think Manchesky focused on who are their key stakeholders, what's their real purpose. They took a number of steps. They had laid off over, you know, I think nearly a, a third of their workforce. But mm-hmm. in doing so, actually earned praise even from the employees they laid off. Now, how did they do that? They did it with good, clear, authentic, empathetic communication. They did it with leaders. They did it by actually doing what they could to help all the stakeholders. So the employees, for example, uh, needed to be laid off. Uh, Airbnb was able to give them not only a generous summer, but do a few little things to help them. You know, let the employees keep their laptop so that they would actually have a job 
I mean, a, a tool that they could search for their next job with. Um, they pay for health insurance benefits, they wreck for a year, recognizing that what's more important in a time like this than your health insurance. And when you treat people who are being laid off that way, it also is that remain. And because those are your colleagues, those are the people that were like family that are being let go. How you treat those folks sends a powerful message to those who remain. Airbnb also stepped up for the host community. They created a $250 million fund to help reimburse hosts who were facing tremendous losses during this period. Right. And you know what's interesting? They allowed guests to cancel reservations. They stood by hosts and helped hosts get through this. And we're already seeing reports. What's, what company is bouncing back fast? Now, even though the pandemic is still going on, it's Airbnb because Airbnb looked out for a number of its stakeholders when the pandemic had a tremendous negative impact on their business. But by continuing to act with integrity, even when things were bad, they're one of the first companies to bounce back strong. So, Rob, tell me what's at stake then for companies that aren't explicitly addressing integrity right now? What's at stake is everything. Mm -hmm. Look, all the data shows that companies that act with integrity outperform the market, they outperform their peers. So if you aren't addressing this, I mean, first of all, you're not doing the right thing. But not only are you not doing the right thing, you're not doing the right thing even for the financials of your own company. Mm -hmm. So leaders that have been so laser focused on just hitting a quarterly number, just on the revenue, they haven't been thinking about the broader implications of how their company operates in the world mm -hmm. and broader stakeholders are getting left behind. And they're being hit, criticized on all sides. So you know, really what the book is about, it's a look at companies that uh, you know, haven't been explicitly thinking about integrity inside the company and outside the company. And how to get on path, how to get on track here, because you know, really the future of your business can be at stake. You've said, you've called integrity the hidden superpower. I love that that term, hidden superpower of business leaders. And I'm assuming empathetic communication is one way they're tapping into this quote-unquote superpower. What are some other ways that, uh, you know, it's revealing itself? Well, you know, another is showing that you, you care about your stakeholder community. So discrimination in Airbnb. You know, when I, when I joined Airbnb as their general counsel, my first couple of months, we started seeing reports of guests were being discriminated against by some hosts on the platform based on the color of their skin. And there was even a hashtag, you know, Airbnb while black. This was really embarrassing for the company and something that caused us to do some quick thinking and reflection. And I did well and did the legal work because lawsuits started coming in. Airbnb was getting sued based on the fact that hosts were discriminated. So I went off and did work on, well, what is Airbnb's legal responsibility as a platform? Um, is Airbnb responsible under housing discrimination laws when a few hosts against Airbnb's terms engage in these sorts of acts? So I go in to meet with our CEO, Brian Chesky. I start going through the law with him. He holds up his hand. Says, uh, he said, and I said, I don't, what do you mean you don't care? Yeah, really? A little scary, right? And he said, I don't care what the law is. He said, because if people are being discriminated against on our platform, then we're failing as a company. Our mission is all about connecting people, increasing belonging in the world, and actually breaking down barriers. Mm -hmm. He said, if this sort of thing was going on on Airbnb, he said, we're failing. And he said, we're going to fix it. So now this was incredibly empowering as a lawyer now, because now we could actually focus on doing the right thing. 
I jumped on an airplane and went down to met with the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. They sued us in a class action over this. I sat down in a room with them and said, look, we could have a big argument and fight about whether Airbnb is legally responsible here. I said, but that would be a waste of our time because Airbnb is on your side. Airbnb cares about this just as deeply as you do. We'll partner with you. Anything that you would want us to do to fight discrimination on the platform, we're probably willing to go further. That was all the lawsuit. And to give you an example, one of the early things we did was we asked every user when they logged in to agree to a very simple, powerful statement that they would not discriminate and that they would actually welcome others, regardless of the color of the skin, the nationality, the religion, or the sexual orientation. Now, keep in mind, this wasn't the law in many places in the world where Airbnb operated, but Airbnb didn't care. That wasn't what we wanted to stand for. And we lost a little over 1% of our user base by doing that. Mm-hmm. There were users that wouldn't agree to that statement. They said, you know, that's not the law, that's none of your business. But Brian said, I don't care. That's not what we're going to stand for. We're going to stand for what we think is right in the world. And I think in the long run, that's actually been very, taking that stance, has been very powerful for Airbnb. First of all, it really eliminated the legal issues around around this whole challenge. Yeah. I think it inspired employees. I think it got a number of civil rights groups to rally around and partner with Airbnb to fight discrimination online. I think ultimately is going to be a powerful force and a win that Airbnb's back instead of taking the, the legal approach of saying, oh, we're only a platform, we're not responsible. I think that ultimately could have fired the company in a long legal battle mm-hmm. and one that would have ultimately not been very inspiring for anyone involved. Right. Um, so that's, I think, just one example of how a company can step out, do something that might not be the right short-term answer, but by doing the right thing, ultimately can propel the company. So I'm assuming that, you know, taking a stand, speaking out, taking some risks from time to time is a hallmark of, of being an ethical corporation. It's pretty clear from your book, Rob, that uh, you're a process person, and I know that you introduced processes at Airbnb to address ethical challenges. And I'm just, if you could just share some advice with our listeners on what they can probably do in the short term. Sure. I mean, if you want to drive integrity into the culture of your company, you've got to think differently. So the old way of doing it, right? Let's look at that for a minute. Companies need a code of ethics. Mm-hmm. What do they do to get a code of ethics? Well, they go onto the internet. They take someone else's code of ethics, copy and paste it, and put their own logo at the top. Then they email it out to everybody in their company and say, check a box. 
Xerox will say that you've read that. And then they bury it in the corporate internet and say, okay, thank goodness we've taken care of that problem. Everybody in the company sees through this. I mean, what's mm -hmm. the, the irony of someone stealing a code of ethics from someone else is <laughs> everyone realized that this is a check-the-box ex exercise right. that no one's serious about. Right. So if you want to send a message that integrity really is important to your company, what you should do is try drafting your own code of ethics and actually make it a company-wide effort. Mm -hmm. Get a diverse team. And when I say diverse, I mean, sure, things like people from different countries, people with different socioeconomic backgrounds, different races, but also different trades. So get somebody from the marketing team. Get someone from engineering. Get someone from finance. Get different perspectives in the room because there are a lot of different ethical challenges that are faced by groups all across your company. And one person doesn't have all the answers. You know, there's no Moses going down from the mountain with stone tablets. You need to, if you want to be a, a 21st century company, you've got to have a code of ethics that reflects the rich diversity of your employee base and your customer base. And then once you've got a code of ethics, instead of simply emailing it out, why not have an honest, authentic human conversation with employees about it? So how do you do this? I mean, at Airbnb, uh, when I was a general counsel, every week I would take an hour and I would go down to the orientation program. Airbnb has an orientation program every week for all the new employees. I would go down and spend an hour with the new hire class and I would talk to them, not about legal definitions or what constitutes a hostile work environment. And I wouldn't read them the code of ethics. Instead, we took a dozen examples of things that have actually happened at the company. Examples of you know, improper sex remarks around sex or improper dating or alcohol or conflict of interest or improper gifts. And we talked about the examples because these are the things that actually happen in real life. And we had an authentic conversation about what the right thing to do is and where Airbnb stood on these issues. I'll tell you, the reaction was really, it shocked me. Um, they do blind surveys at the end of each orientation. The number one orientation class ranked by new members of the company was the ethics class. So I actually had a woman come up to me a few months ago after one of the classes. Honestly, she had tears coming down her cheek. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, Rob, I left my last company. It was a big tech company because my boss kept proposition and I didn't trust my company to do anything about it. So I had to leave my job. So because I couldn't do my work because my boss kept pressuring me to have sex with him. He said, you have no, she said, you have no idea what it means to start work at a new company and to have a leader, an executive come into the room and talk about this sort of thing. She said, it gives me confidence that Airbnb really cares about this stuff. And if I had a similar problem at Airbnb, I believe that I could come talk to you about it and you and you'd work on resolving it. So having that sort of, having a leader take the time, not, not by doing a video, not by getting a third-party consultant to come in, but to have an honest conversation directly with a leader about these sorts of things speaks volumes. And that's the way that you can get a message of integrity out to your company. Rob, did those ethic classes that you had at Airbnb, they help? create more of a culture of open communication? Uh, they did because, you know, not only did we do them in orientation, but I went on a world tour all to all the Airbnb offices and did that talk to every office. And I'll give you another example of how these sorts of uh, things could create that openness. Because you need an environment where people are not afraid to speak up. 
You want an environment where people feel like they can raise their hands right. if they see something wrong. Mm-hmm. So here's a small example of what you can do at a company to create that kind of environment. So, and this is an embarrassing story for me personally because it involves a mistake that I made. I was, uh, we had an open desk arrangement at Airbnb. So I had a stand-up desk in a large area with a number of other employees. So I'm standing at my desk one day, typing on the computer, lock your computer screen. You didn't turn off your screen. And so there was a bit of an awkward silence from And I was reflecting, ah, you know what, he's right. I went to the restroom. I walked away and left my screen open without, without uh, properly locking it. And I looked at him. And I think look, a number of leaders, how would some leaders react to a mid-level manager walking up to them and calling them out? Because your first reaction is to be a little defensive. But I thought about it for a second. And I said, you know something? You're absolutely right. That was a mistake. I need to do better. And I said, frankly, as a leader, I said, I need to set a better example. And he smiled. And he said, I can show you how to add a button to your laptop where you can do one press of a button and lock it. And I said, would you do that for me? And he did it. And I thanked him. And then what happened? A few weeks later, there was a larger group meeting on the floor. And we have a little award that we give out at Airbnb. They're integrity. They're called Integrity Yet. They're Yeti water bottles. They're very nice metal, high-quality water bottles. But we had Airbnb's integrity markings put on these water bottles. They the Airbnb logo, the phrase integrity belongs here. So at the beginning of the meeting, I stood up and said, I'd like to tell everybody a story. And I told everybody about what happened at my desk that day. And I held up an Integrity Yeti and said, I want to give this, uh, give him an Integrity Yeti in recognition of his courage to speak up and point out when something wasn't done right, even if it was done by a leader. And the room exploded with applause. He stood up. We gave him the water bottle. A year and a half later, I get an email from him. And at the top of the email, it said, a warning, vulnerability alert. He wrote me a long email, and he told me that in his six years at Airbnb, that was his proudest moment, getting a $30 water bottle. Now, it's only a $30 water bottle, but when 100, 200 people in a room hear that story and see someone get rewarded for it, and you do that 20 times over the course of several years at a company, the message gets out that leadership really rewards speaking up. That sort of thing, even those small sorts of acts, can send a powerful message and change a culture. Thanks for sharing that story. Terrific. Would you say that it's more difficult for like internet-based organization uh, to address integrity than a more traditional retailer? Is it more difficult for a larger global organization than a smaller business? I think each business has its own challenges. I think integrity, look, integrity, building trust is hard and it, gaining integrity, integrity is something you have to earn over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And it can be lost in a second. Right. It can be lost with one mistake by a leader. So I don't want to underestimate the challenge for anybody. doesn't matter whether you're running a small business or a global tech company. If you have a global company, I think the stakeholders can be more complex. If you're running a tech platform, you've got the complexity of the fact that you have users who are posting things on your platform that reflect on you. So not only do you have to deal with your own actions as a leader, or your own employees' actions, or your own business's actions. But you've got to deal with the added layer that third parties are constantly putting your brand on the line by things that they post on your site. So is it, can it be challenging running a tech platform and doing it in a way that has integrity? 
sure. I mean, we see that with Twitter and their challenges, YouTube, Facebook, of course, is really facing it right now. But I also don't want to underestimate the challenges that small businesses face just showing integrity in the way they do business every day in communities. They're, they're just different. Lastly, Rob, as you know, there will be a new challenge. There will be a new crisis at some point down the road. How should companies prepare for that? You need to start with really understanding your North Star. If you don't understand what your purpose is as a company, then you're going to be lost when your integrity moment comes. You know, I, I was talking as part of the, you know, looking at the book, I was talking to Adam Silva, the commissioner of the NBA, and he told me the Donald Sterling story, the story of how the commissioner woke up one day to find that one of the owners, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, there was a, uh, an audio of them making racial, uh, right. racially insensitive, I mean, downright racist remarks. And it was exploding all over the news. And he had only been commissioner for a few months. This happened. He heard this uh, on a Saturday morning, completely out of the blue, no prior preparation. The entire crisis was over 72 hours. And, you know, he acted by doing an investigation, one that was done promptly but fairly, suspending the, the owner from the NBA. And it was the harshest punish, punishment that any owner of a major sport had ever received. And Silver received broad praise from players, owners, and all the state. And I asked him what was his memory of that. And he said, Rob, it happened so fast. It was a blur. The problem is that these things come at you these days really quickly. And it's, you aren't, you can't prepare for everything that might possibly come your way. And the problem is when it hits you, you don't have much time. So I think the best thing you can do to prepare for it is know what you stand for. You know what You know what he told me, Adam Silver, about, about the, the Donald Sterling thing? He reflected back on the NBA's history of being involved with racial justice, about Bill Russell sitting in the front row at Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and the discrimination some of the early NBA players faced and about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and his involvement in racial justice. Mm -hmm. So I think it's know who you are, know what you stand for, have an understanding of your company's deeper purpose and the forces. Who are your stakeholders? If you understand that, that I think gives you a firm foundation for making the right judgment call when the world comes at you fast. What a great way to end. Thank you so much for sharing those insights. Joining me on the Beyond Profit podcast, I certainly wish you all the best with your book in the future. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. To learn more about Rob's book, visit intentionalintegrity.com. That's intentionalintegrity.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.